Welcome, listeners, to the Vetfolio podcast episode on feline diabetes, the basics, sponsored by Beringer Ingelheim Vet Medica Inc. Welcome to the Feline Diabetes Podcast Series. I'm Sarah Winogle, small animal internist at Colorado State University. We think you'll find this overview of the basics to be a helpful reminder about some of the challenges that go along with managing feline diabetes in your practice. One of the most difficult challenges veterinary staff face is helping our clients simply get used to the idea of their cat having diabetes. They may feel helpless and hopeless. Well, guess what? We can help them overcome that feeling. So in this podcast, we're not only going to talk about feeling diabetes concepts, understanding the causes, recognizing the signs, and treatment goals, we're also going to explore ways to put our clients at ease, make them feel supported, and encourage them to become the active care partners their diabetic cat needs. And as we all know, better compliance usually leads to a more peace of mind for the client and better quality of life and outcomes for the patient. Before we review the physiology of feline diabetes, you may or may not know that it is the second most common endocrinopathy in cats and the numbers are increasing. You may be seeing this growth firsthand in your practice. So why the increase? As you might expect, the rise in diabetes in cats, just like in humans, is thought to be associated with an increase in known risk factors, such as obesity, age, sedentary lifestyle, and carbohydrate diet. But feline diabetes is a treatable condition that requires a committed effort by both the veterinary staff and the client. The how and why of diabetes can be difficult to explain to a pet owner, especially when they're hearing it for the first time. So let's revisit the most fundamental aspects of the disease in a way that can help you when educating your clients, sort of a diabetes 101. And remember, although these fundamental points may seem elementary to us, pet owners may have little to no understanding of how diabetes happens. So these building blocks are extremely important. The form of diabetes we're talking about is diabetes mellitus. It occurs when a cat's body doesn't produce enough insulin or doesn't appropriately respond to the insulin it does produce. Insulin is a hormone secreted by the pancreas and is responsible for allowing glucose to enter the body's cells from the bloodstream. Glucose is the primary fuel source the body cells use to sustain life. The types of diabetes in cats is based on the same classification system as humans, type 1 and type 2. Type 1, in which the pancreas doesn't make enough insulin, is very rare in cats. Type 2 diabetes, the most common type seen in cats, occurs when the cells in the cat's body don't respond properly to the insulin that is being produced. This lack of response to insulin means that glucose isn't taken up by the cells and instead continues to build up in the bloodstream. It is largely these elevations in blood sugar that we use to diagnose and monitor the disease with the ultimate goal of controlling them within a certain range. So we know what feline diabetes is, but how do we recognize it? Of course, physical signs are the easiest clues. Does the cat appear healthy? Is its body in good condition? Is it in any pain? The clinical signs of feline diabetes typically exhibit as excessive thirst, hunger, and urination. There may also be weight loss, even with an increase in food intake. Other signs owners may notice include weakness, lethargy, dull coat, and signs of peripheral neuropathy such as abnormal gait or an impaired ability to jump. Some cats with peripheral neuropathy may even have a distinctive plantigrade stance where it appears the cat is walking on their rear hock rather than their toes. We'll get more into the physiology of this in episode two. 
Unfortunately, since cats are often very adept at hiding signs of illness, the presence of any of these signs warrants a full diagnostic workup. Since cats can hide the signs of disease so well, it's often only by asking very specific questions of the pet owner that you can tease out additional information that they might not have considered important at the time, but that could help you in your assessment. Let's consider a few questions you may want to ask. Is your cat drinking more water than usual? Is a common question we want to know the answer to, but because of cat's secretive nature, it's often useful to follow up with something that the owner might notice more directly. Like, have you noticed that you have to fill the water bowl more often? Similarly, we want to know, is your cat urinating more than usual? But asking follow-up questions about things that may more directly affect what the owner sees could include, have you noticed more litter clumps or larger clumps in the litter box? Or have there been any accidents outside the box? And if so, were these large or small amounts of urine? When it comes to eating habits, we can ask, is your cat eating more food than usual? But asking probing follow-up questions like, does your cat seem more interested in food or are they vocalizing more, may evoke more helpful responses. Gradual changes in weight can be difficult for pet owners to see, but asking, have you noticed any weight loss, is always important, as well as, has your cat had any trouble jumping or have they shown any signs of weakness in the back legs? While these questions can certainly help, ultimately, Blood and urine tests are critical in assessing whether hyperglycemia and glycosuria are present. However, since some clients may be justifiably concerned about the cost and time implications associated with diagnostic testing, it's always worth taking the time to discuss a few important points with them. First, you can tell them they can avoid or reduce their cat's suffering. Help your client understand that knowing if their cat has diabetes is far better than being in the dark about their health. Reassure them that they are more than capable of treating their cat at home if treatment is needed. Emphasize that with the right care, their cat can live a long and healthy life. Explain that the cost implications of not treating far outweigh potential treatment costs. Now, once we have a positive diagnosis of diabetes, it's important to make sure that owners understand that diabetes is a manageable condition in the vast majority of cats. For very few, lifes such as diet and exercise can help and may be the only treatment they need. Others may respond to diet modification early in their disease, but most will require insulin. For the majority of cats, insulin remains the mainstay of a treatment plan. What are the goals of insulin therapy? What are we really looking to achieve? It comes down to three things. First, to reduce the clinical signs of diabetes. Second, to achieve a good quality of life. And third, minimize complications. So how do we do that? In making your treatment choices, the most important thing is to determine and use the right insulin. Cats specifically require insulin that has an appropriately extended duration of effect to avoid peaks and valleys in glucose levels between the morning and the evening doses. Regardless of the type of insulin, cats will usually require two injections a day. According to the Diabetes Management Guidelines provided by the American Animal Hospital Association, there are only two types of insulin that have that third duration of action for most cats, human protamine zinc insulin and insulin glargine. Of these, only the protamine zinc product ProZinc is licensed specifically for use in cats by the FDA. Because no two diabetic cats are the same, each will respond differently to treatment. And for some, glycemic control can be difficult to maintain. While a cat can do well on the same dose of insulin for weeks or months, 
they may then suddenly develop signs again, including thirst, frequent urination, and weight loss. This situation can become very frustrating for you and the owner alike. Be sure to emphasize that treatment for diabetes is an ongoing process. Over time, insulin dosage may need to change as the cat ages or based on blood glucose profiles, test results, and response to therapy. Therefore, frequent monitoring is important to help get glucose levels under control for the long-term health maintenance of the cat. It's important to emphasize to clients that home monitoring usually results in less stress on the cat and allows for closer, more precise control of blood glucose levels on a regular basis, which helps to avoid the risk of hypoglycemic episodes. Tell your clients that home testing of glucose levels can be done with a similar type of blood glucose monitor used by humans. This method requires a small sample of blood that's taken from the cat for testing and generally provides an immediate reading of their cat's blood glucose level. In addition to monitoring glucose levels through the blood, your client can use urine glucose monitoring. Now, as you may know, urine glucose monitoring is generally not as accurate due to the lag time for glucose to go from the blood to the urine in the cat's body. Really, the best action is for you to recommend that clients consult with their veterinarian on the best way to monitor their cat's glucose. You can offer them valuable advice on which type or types of monitors work best in cats, as well as train them on how to use and interpret the test results. Also, it's important to emphasize that clients should be vigilant about tracking any changes to their cat's appetite, water consumption, and urine output to determine change in behavior. As you are likely aware, remission has become a frequent topic in veterinary literature. And while it's true that some cats with type 2 diabetes may go into remission for a time, it is not usually regarded as a goal of therapy but rather a bonus. The reality is that, in practice, feline diabetics are only achieving remission about 25% of the time, and often the remission is only temporary. A lack of both evidence and well-designed studies to support remission rates demonstrate that rather than remission, our goal should be diabetic regulation based on the individual cat's quality of life and clinical signs. Remission may be an attainable goal if the diagnosis of diabetes mellitus is made early in the process. However, this is not usually the case. As you know, the challenges of managing diabetics are not limited to proactive diagnosis and choosing the right treatment, but much of it lies in counseling clients about what to expect later. Setting expectations often means having frank and realistic discussions with pet owners. Dietary management, home monitoring, insulin injections, can all be overwhelming to a pet owner. So how do we set realistic expectations? Let them know that you're in this together, and with patience and diligent care, you can work to help bring the clinical signs of diabetes and blood glucose under control. Use words like partner and team to encourage a sense of security and a positive attitude. Show them the way. No one wants to inject their cat. Demonstrating how to do it correctly will help your clients gain confidence. Eventually, with a little practice, injections will become easier and part of the routine. Tell them that while injecting their cat may seem like a difficult thing to do, it's really not. A few tips can go a long way toward making treatment easier. Consider these simple words of encouragement. Take a moment to pet your cat before the injection. It will help calm both of you. The insulin needle is very thin. It won't hurt your cat, especially if inserted quickly. After the injection, reward your cat with more petting and know that you are doing everything you can to help your pet live a long and healthy life. Helping clients adjust diagnosis and putting them at ease 
is one of the biggest challenges we face in managing feline diabetes. Hopefully this discussion about the basics will help you feel more confident in overcoming client resistance to the cost, time, and treatment implications associated with their cat's diagnosis. But by all means, be as realistic as possible. The cost of diagnostic and medication can be a major determinant in whether a client decides to start or continue care. And beyond financial considerations, we should also be honest with our clients about the time it takes to properly care for a seriously ill animal. These duties could put a crimp in plans of an active pet owner, maybe even impact what they'll do with their cat on vacations or business trips. They should make plans well in advance for times away from home. Caring for a diabetic cat isn't for flighty types. Do they have a trustworthy, well-trained relative or friend who can serve as a reliable caregiver? This person must be able to administer medication, ensure feeding, observe the cat's behavior, and be able to call the vet or take the cat to the ER if necessary. Many highly skilled veterinary technicians offer private services of home health for pets and can be a valuable asset for families with diabetic cats. But that's where you come in. Your role as a veterinary professional is key to helping clients understand the causes, recognize the signs, and focus on treatment goals. You can help guide and encourage your clients to become active partners in both the short and long-term care of their diabetic cat. The bottom line is diabetes is manageable. Our efforts should be focused on reducing clinical signs, achieving a good quality of life, and minimizing complications. Diabetic regulation is what we should strive to achieve. Before we leave, here is some important safety information for Prozinc. Prozinc is for youth and cats only. Animals presenting with severe ketoacidosis, anorexia, lethargy, and or vomiting should be stabilized with short-acting insulin and appropriate supportive therapy until their condition is stabilized. As with all insulin products, careful patient monitoring for hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia is essential to attain and maintain adequate glycemic control and to prevent associated complications. Overdosage can result in profound hypoglycemia and death. Please refer to the package insert for complete product information. Thank you for listening. To learn more about feline diabetes, download the other episodes available in this series, including diagnosis, treatment and monitoring, and diabetic remission. Sarah, thank you for exploring the basics of feline diabetes with our audience today. We'd like to also thank Beringer Ingelheim Vet Medica, Inc. for sponsoring this program. Be sure to catch every episode in this series on vetfolio.com. And for more information about Prozinc, visit bivetmedica.com. That's B-I-V-E-T-M-E-D-I-C-A dot com.